0: After working there for a long enough time, you sort of get used to the grind. I think at least for people like us, where like the first job is a thing that you're really scrambling for, where you like, that's how you know that you've crossed the threshold, like, oh my gosh, i am like kind of professional now? And then you gain that confidence. In, like, okay, if I can have this job, I can probably get another job, you know? As long as I work for it and like have the right attitude.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead. An animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host.
2: And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Manin Mehta. He is an Indian-American artist working as an animator at Bento in Atlanta, Georgia. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself?
0: Uh, Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm Manin. Um, I'm from uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. And I went to Savannah, the Savannah College of Art and Design and graduated like two years ago. And now I'm an anim- I've been an animator at Bento Box since then. I like drawing. I like anime, <laughs> 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 and uh, I do like uh, comics. Just any kind of art of all kinds.
2: So the way we like to start off on straight ahead is by playing a little game called In Between gonna give you two similar choices and then you have to choose in between the two of them and then kind of let us know why okay Okay, great
1: cool cool i'll start us off with the first question who would you rather have as your hyperactive traveling companion dory from finding nemo or donkey from shrek
0: oh man like how would dory
1: travel with me is my question
2: would you be a fish in this scenario?
1: In that scenario, I would say you would be you a would fish. You would be a
2: fish, right? Because <laughs> it, it, it would also be
1: funny if no matter what, you have to carry Dory in a fishbowl with yeah, you. Yeah, like, that's kind of like a... But you could just easily leave her unless you do kind of <laughs> like a, a Tanjiro thing where you just put Dory on your back in a fishbowl and you just travel with her like that. But <laughs> I would say you're a fish. You're, okay. you're a fish.
0: So I'm a fish in this scenario too. I mean... I feel like it's kind of limited. Like, I, I want to, like, live my normal life. Like, right? I don't want to suddenly change everything to be a fish. So, I think...
1: <laughs> maybe in this scenario, you've always a been a fish. So you, a fish? You, you, oh, okay. you, you, maybe you don't know anything outside of uh, <laughs> being a fish.
0: Like, this is a huge paradigm shift, you know? Like, I'd have to be a fish, deal with fish stuff. I mean, I, I, got, I have to go with Donkey. Because he's just, like, he's terrestrial. He's voiced by Eddie Murphy, who has a great voice. <laughs> I think I'd have to go with Donkey for this one.
2: All this right. is a very, like, right. technical. <laughs> hey, I don't want to be a fish. Lifestyle Completely training. changed the structure of the question. <laughs> no, I love that. It's great. So I guess
1: in the other scenario, would you be Shrek then or an ogre?
2: Would you be an ogre? Oh, man.
0: I've not, I haven't changed so much about myself for these questions. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I feel like I have a lot of layers. I can definitely be Shrek. <laughs> nice,
2: good, yeah Heck yeah, that's the kind of energy we need
1: <laughs> We're gonna be peeling back those layers as we get into the interview <laughs> That was good
2: <laughs> Alright, perfect, perfect Which giant mech would you rather pilot? The Tengen Toppa Lagan from Gurren or Evangelion Unit 1 from Genesis Evangelion
0: This is like, that's a really hard one <laughs> like, This is my dream Spiritum <laughs> Honestly, barely. You a
2: big mecha fan?
0: Oh, I love mechs. Yeah. I make little models like a (gasps) gunflower. Yeah. Yeah. I've made three so far. I'm not super, I'm not like super involved yet, but I want to be. Sort of like a hobby. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, and I got to like think of like the technical, like how is it going to change my (laughs) lifestyle, you know? But evil, like, you need trauma for it to work or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the battery, I guess. I feel like I have to go with Gurin Laga, just because like you've got the, the drill. Uh, it's run mm-hmm. by the power of friendship, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: a little more fun, a little less dire. <laughs> yeah,
0: pier, pierce through the heavens. Exactly, exactly. I think I gotta
2: go with that one. Yeah, no, so all I, I love the.
1: I'm not really into Mexel that much, but like the only mech anime that I love and got into really was Gurin Laga, because mm-hmm. it was just so expressive. It was so fun, and yeah, the characters are also charming.
0: Yeah, it's uh, another one I just love because it sort of breaks the mold of like stereotypical design. And like Studio Trigger is also amazing. I love the expressiveness of it all.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about breaking design, he- they literally pick up the <laughs> fucking drill head and then just shove it on another robot. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, this is just how it works now. With the actual mechanics, it yeah. just,
1: yeah, it just happens. <laughs> yeah, <It's laughs> awesome. I love it. It's like Naruto when they take other people's eyes and just reattach it. <laughs> Fuck the surgery. And just It's like light bulbs. Just, just yes! swap them.
2: <laughs> <New light bulb. laughs> That's how that works, right?
0: It's fine. No anesthesia. Just kind of stick it in. Get some yeah. glue. <laughs> it's, not, it's just ninja glue. Don't worry. It'll work. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, Mani. Well, thanks so much for playing Amy Toon with us. Hopefully you had some fun. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> And for our audience, if you enjoyed today's MB2 questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have any suggestions for future MB2 questions, contact us on social media. But without further ado, let's jump into it. Let's start off by talking about how you landed your current job as an animator at BentoBox.
0: Yeah, I think the story is a little simple. I graduated SCAD in like 2019. And... Right after I sort of just applied to a bunch of places local to Atlanta, like, I had known a couple of friends who had already graduated and were working. And so I was aware of like the studio situation in Atlanta, and I heard about Bento Box. So like a couple of months after I graduated, I started taking tests. I, I started emailing everybody first, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I'd like to apply for this job, and then I, I'll show them my portfolio." And then I got a test back from Bento Box,
1: mm-hmm. and this was you emailing friends that were already working at Bento Box or other. Studios in Atlanta, or just you emailing recruiters or people at the studio?
0: Yeah, uh, this was like I was uh, emailing people that I so, like, their work emails that, of people who work there, like the HR manager and stuff. Uh, I got them. Oh, okay. I got emails just from like talking to people who work there, or they would visit SCAD sometimes. They would give out cards just to mm. email them later.
3: Mm. Okay.
0: So it was very, it's very much like connection based. So they sent me back, i was like a simple animation test, and they'd give me like a date of complete it so I did that I was working like a day and I did it and I sent it in and it wasn't the best it wasn't my best work <laughs> so I think they, they said they emailed me back and they were like you know it's okay but it hasn't really passed so I was like oh dang oh my god <laughs> I was really stressed so I was like I emailed them back and I was like uh okay could I try again could I take it a second time and see if I can improve because it gave me notes on what I did wrong for the first one
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So they were like, "Yeah, sure. Uh, we 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 love for you to resubmit." So I took it again, and I sort of fixed what I was what I uh, knew that I did wrong before. And I had some friends also that were taking the test at the same time, and they gave me like pointers on what to do and how to use the rig that they would give. Mm-hmm. And the second time I passed, and they were like, "Yeah, this is mm-hmm. great. Um, well, you want to we'll give you an interview." So I got an interview. It was pretty simple. They kind of like it was pretty uh, preliminary. They didn't really. It was more like I already got the job, and I just wanted to see if I wasn't a crazy person, you
1: know? <laughs> Yeah. know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's how it happened. I just got hired, and I started working.
1: If you're able to remember, because I know it was probably so long ago, what were kind of the notes they gave you that they wanted you to improve on?
0: It was, it's a pretty simple test. I think it was a lot, a lot of it was just, at the time when I first took a test, I had no idea how to use, like, 2D puppet rigs. So,
3: mm.
0: it was like, you know, like, Putting it on twos or ones or, like, just getting the rig to move all at once. So, And I didn't have, like, they wanted, like, more counteraction for this where, like, the character sits. Or they wanted more, like, details of, like, the character's ear flicking as it's walking. There was a walk as well. And mm-hmm. the walk cycle wasn't very smooth. So I had to smooth that out and sort of make it look more unified. Mm-hmm. But it mostly it was just rig, like, technical stuff, like, just dealing with the rig and using it in a way that made sense.
3: Mm, and I got that okay. rig
0: experience after asking my friends how to deal with it and, like, knowing what to do with Toon mm.
2: Was puppet animation not something that they taught at SCAD for you?
0: Um, we had, like, a, we had a class, and we did delve into it. Like, we made our own, like, simple rigs, and we got a little bit of uh, education on just, like, how to rig Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't remember if there was ever a dedicated, uh, just 2D rigging class. Like you had the option, but it was more like you could do traditional or rigging if you wanted. Mm-hmm. But they did teach us, like how to make a simple rig.
2: Yeah, most of the the studios here, as far as I can tell, are like puppet animation. So that's interesting to me that like Scad, which is right next to those kinds of studios, don't have as much of that.
1: Yeah, yeah ba- basically mm-hmm. the heart. Because like so far, like from the people that we've been reviewed that are working, like, in Atlanta or are from SCAD tend to, like, stay within that area. So, like, yeah, I figured, like, it would make sense if they did have more puppet reading courses because that's at least the industry near them, that's the demand.
0: I think I do... I did hear, like, as soon as I left, they started, like, teaching base <laughs> <Puppet> based <laughs> right classes up. so you know
1: <laughs> i just
0: missed that by, by a little
1: bit but that's funny you didn't even graduate that long ago that's literally like, yeah, like when did you graduate 2019 yeah 2019 and then
0: like right yeah. after they were still giving classes and like you know, if you want to do just rigging or you want to do
1: just population <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mm. So, you
1: know it's fine <laughs> yeah, now that, that need has gone we can, uh, we can start teaching some <laughs> right. puppet animation right. I guess like
2: uh, then my question is because you took the test so you took the test and you got back oh we're you know moving forward with another candidate or you didn't quite do it they gave you some notes and then you just asked for another one which is great I mean I think a lot of people would just take that and be like okay well they never want to hire me again and likely <laughs> mm-hmm. so you took those notes and addressed them when you started working did they kind of know that, like, oh, maybe we need to, to guide this guy a little bit more because the first test came back, but he was able to do it a second time. Or were you just kind of thrown in the same as everybody else?
0: Um, yeah, I, I was pretty much just thrown in the same as everybody else. Uh, mm. So when I first got there, it was sort of, uh, everybody had, like, pretty varying levels of, like, expertise with, like, rigs and puppeting and stuff. Mm. Once you got in, they gave you a little bit of training, but it was mostly just, like, you know, ask people and sort of learn on the job.
1: No, that's that's really cool because I figured, like, when you said Bento Boss get back to you, they actually gave you some notes in your test. Because I know, like, I've taken a couple of tests before as well. And majority of the time when I get back or I get the note, they're like, oh, sorry, you didn't get it. We're moving on with the other candidate. Unfortunately, our artists are too busy at the time to give any actual notes, so don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty awesome that, like, you, you took the opportunity because I think some people might just take the notes and, like, okay, cool. I'll make sure to improve on this in the future. But you were like, okay, well, I know what I did wrong. Can I? gonna try again so that that's awesome
0: yeah i think i think a lot of it does have to do like studio size too maybe i don't know um it was kind of small at the time and they were really like hiring like i'm a hiring spree so i think i was desperate (laughs) they were desperate (laughs) it kind of worked (laughs) in my favor
1: (laughs) so now working for there for like almost two years now or have you passed the the two-year mark
0: i think i'll be i'll finish two years
1: in august Okay, so you're almost, oh, you've almost so been nice. there for two years. Yeah, so, so close. What has your day-to-day been like working on your current production?
0: They give you like a certain amount of shots to do over the week, and then every day in the morning they have dailies where we review our work with the directors, and they see everything, and I give notes, and they review, and then you take those notes in your account, and then you sort of re- uh, revise your shots, and then you send it back in again, and the next day, same thing, dailies, uh, and you get your notes and you finish it. And it's sort of like just that's the whole week you just sort of have the shots and you just work on them until they're perfect
1: and for you you were probably there before the pandemic so how has how's like pre-pandemic working as an animator bento black differed from post or current pandemic
0: yeah it was like super different like pre-pandemic i would actually go into the studio and work and like see people the studio space is nice because just full of toys everywhere it's pretty casual mm. I would go out to get lunch and stuff. Like, that was also, this was also, like, my first job, too. Like, my first job job. Mm-hmm. So, it was definitely, like, a big, like, having, like, a schedule and going to work and waking up early and stuff.
3: <laughs> the commute. Uh,
0: yeah, the commute. Luckily, mm-hmm. I lived pretty close, so it wasn't too bad. But, uh, you know, traffic in Atlanta is terrible, so.
2: <laughs> it's something else.
0: <laughs> yeah. The pandemic was, like, pretty normal. It was interesting. At first, I enjoyed uh, meet, talking to people and just dealing, like, being in that space but after when the pandemic happened they worked pretty fast to like accommodate everybody they said everybody take your work machines home if you want you know go take your computer and your thing and they they figured out a way to deliver things um on a server so you could everybody could like review them at the same time like that first week was like, kind of crazy though because no one really knew what to do and there was like there were, we- there were days where we didn't really uh work because oh we were trying to deal with like a bunch of technical issues mm-hmm. so i would like wake up and then my computer would be like right next to me so i would just like groggily like get to my computer <laughs> and just like get to daily <laughs> and I'd take a shower after <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i mean this is just a big different just like working at home where you have like everything with you like there's a little more distractions at home i think and i mm-hmm. feel like i do want to get back into the like, being there, I think, definitely instills some discipline, because, like, that's a workplace. That's a place mm-hmm. where you work, rather than just the place where you live and work.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree.
0: I think, I, I like it. I think it was, it's just, now that I think about it now, I've actually spent more time at home working than actually being in the studio. So, very little time I spent in the studio, so I can't really, mm-hmm. I don't really have super fond memories yet, I guess, because I haven't spent a lot of time there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a few months, huh?
0: Yeah. Like I think I, I I got the job in August of 2019 and then March 2020
3: like we all went home. Yeah,
1: that's crazy, man. <laughs> that that that's that's still a good amount of time though August to March. But yeah, like definitely this whole uh, staying at home thing lasted a lot longer than I think a lot of people were expecting. So even even though you haven't been there full two years and that span that you've been there, you've already worked on a couple of projects at Bento Box. Uh, you have worked. Uh, Netflix's Paradise PD and Fox's Duncanville. Were there any differences in animation or animating between the two?
0: Yeah. Paradise PD is like a standard 2D puppeted rig show. So you're using the rig mostly throughout. Um, and the rig is like, it's got different views. And um, really, you just have to replace like drawing hands and stuff. And, but the rig has most of the like art that you need. Mm -hmm. and you just sort of follow like uh the keys that the storyboard gives you but for Duncanville, they kind of had a different method where they wanted to copy like like the simpsons where it's all traditional right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. for paradise pd we would have the rigs we would have like we would have to do the keys and the ib's in the same week
1: and then ib's are in-betweens right yeah just to be clear okay cool cool.
0: industry term (laughs) 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 yeah so we do ib's and then um and it would be easier because the rig is there, so you don't have to, like, redraw. You don't have to draw much, right, because the rig is there. But for Duncanville's all traditional. They sort of split mm. it up where it's, like, someone would do keys, and there would be drawings of the characters, and then someone else would draw in the uh, IBs after during that same week or the next week or something. So it was just a lot more drawing. Like, you would draw the characters a lot more, and it was more traditional animation rather than based on, rather than just rig-based.
3: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Did you prefer that? Like, hand-drawn, or do you prefer the at once?
0: I mean, like, <laughs> the rigs are, like, it's so convenient, because, like, you have the views that you need, and you, you yeah. never, like, you never told your off-model, right? Because it's a rig. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> imagine, though. Yeah, right? <laughs>
0: but for traditional, it's, like, you gotta, you really have to, like, actually draw the characters out. And it's, it's more of a challenge, but it's a lot more, like, I feel a lot more satisfied doing a traditional, because I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a lot more accomplished, but it's, it's just a different. I think I like traditional when there's a lot more time to work on it so I can make it good mm-hmm. rather than rigs where it's like the deadlines are really fast but you have the rig to compensate for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah that was gonna be my follow-up question is like the turnover between the a- animating on Duncanville and Paradise PD were they different so I'm assuming you had a little bit longer on Duncanville for the turnovers on shots.
0: Well you would think that but <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was pretty fast with that, too. But we didn't have too much Duncanville work. It was more of, like, a supplementary based on... They'd already outsourced a lot of the traditional animation to, like, Korea. Mm-hmm. We got some shots to do, to help out with that, for, like, retakes and stuff.
3: Oh, uh,
1: okay.
0: So it was, like, a, it was a pretty fast turnaround still, but it was fairly similar. But the work was a lot more involved.
1: Mm. Man, that's interesting. I Like, honestly, I did not think... Uh... I didn't expect Duncanville to be traditionally animated, so that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. I didn't expect it either. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. so, yeah, I guess to kind of dive a little deeper into that question as well, is like, how about like, as like you kind of animating these different characters from these two different series, like what were the, some of the challenges when animating for like characters in Paradise BD versus characters in Duncanville, or or does some stuff kind of gravitate easier for you?
0: I think Bento Barks has sort of developed a sort of house style where like, the a lot of the like the eyes are the same but it's like sort of still cartoony like the hands are usually all they all look very similar and that's usually what you have to replace most of the time for like paradise pd you just do hand drawings and stuff but because the leg was already there but for duncanville you have to like draw them the whole character so because they're two different shows the directors had definitely had different animation styles like paradise pd was a lot of like quick quips and fast jokes and stuff they would be on Ones, which is like one frame per second,
2: 24 frames a second, but one drawing per frame, yeah, one drawing as opposed four. to like one for two frames, yeah. yeah. So,
0: Paradise PD would be on ones, and you had the rig, so uh-huh. it would be easy to in between. Mm-hmm. But Duncanville was on twos, it was more traditional, and they wanted a lot more like acting and more expressiveness, so you could have like a little more involved animation where like you have more in betweens to like have them move between the storyboard drawings paradise pd was more like get from a to b but like as fast as possible and duncanville is more like a b c like where b is like you could do some interesting in-betweens or like fun acting mm-hmm.
1: that's really cool and then uh between the two styles which one did you kind of prefer
0: oh no i feel like they're both interesting i didn't have a ton of time on duncanville i only did like couple shots. So I guess, and I spent a lot more time in Paradise PD. So I'm more familiar with Paradise PD, Mm. but Danganron was like a good change of pace.
2: Mm.
1: No, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, totally. I think that's like, for what you said about doing something that's more traditional versus something that is like very heavily puppet animated, I agree with that. Because like the show I'm on right now is more like, it's puppet animation, but the style is more like, oh, they want us to really plus it. They want us to really like move like within the arcs and push the rigs and stuff so it's been a lot of fun because the boards are so fun and then uh we kind of feed off that energy come back with like ideas on how to like make it even more exciting like push that character and stuff and it's definitely been more of like creativity on the artists or on the animator side i would say when we're allowed to do that as opposed to like doing one-to-one from the boards which is also fine
3: yeah.
0: One way gets pays the bills. The other way is Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> as long as you have the time, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I did just see a TikTok recently that was like that, where like this dude was like, oh, animators, when they have time, they're like, oh, it's like a slice of life anime. Like, guys, we don't have to go very hard on this. Uh, But like, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of time. So like, it's okay. And the animator's like, we have time and then it cuts to like (laughs) this weird sakuga from like uh torodora which is like a slice of life anime where there's like why are they doing all of this like shonen anime (laughs) (laughs) like animation yeah right oh my god yeah
1: Crazy what you can get when you give animators more time. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. like moving in perspective, like running. Right. Like nichijo Have you guys seen
0: that? That's yes. like I love it. It's oh. simple premise, but like the animation goes ham for no reason.
2: I love it. It's so,
1: good. <laughs> so, from when you first kind of transitioned into like your first industry job, being at Bento. From that transition period, how do you feel now? Like, were you more nervous when you first started, and do you feel more comfortable in your position now? Or do you still kind of feel like a little bit of nervousness as Uh, You're working.
0: No, absolutely. I feel like I was super nervous my first day. I was like really stressed. I wore like a button down shirt that I tucked in with like Mm -hmm. khakis and stuff. And then I went in and everyone was wearing like cargo shorts and stuff. (laughs) I definitely overdressed. I also remember my first day, I walked to the place because I guess I wasn't driving at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I won't sweat too much. And then I got in and I like went to the bathroom immediately because I could feel how damp I was like I <laughs> I looked in the mirror and just like oh no. it stains I had like angel wings on the back oh, no. oh the Georgia
2: humidity is no joke
0: I always try to fight it and I always
3: lose <laughs>
0: like, I was I was nervous so I got there like super early too so like I got there I took off my shirt I like let it hang dry <laughs> while I was sitting on the toilet <laughs> it got it got a little less like wet looking. <laughs> so then I put it back on and I went back upstairs and that was like my first day. Um <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I was uh, a <laughs> I was a lot more nervous the first day that I am now for sure. It's got like the transition has become a lot more casual. I'm not super worried about like I didn't I felt like I was worried about like the animation too. Like the work itself also was like a thing that I was stressed about. But I think after working there for a long enough time, you sort of get used to the grind. I think at least for people like us, where like the first job is the thing that you're really scrambling for,
3: where you like. Mm-hmm
0: that's how you know that you've crossed a red threshold, like, oh my gosh, I'm like kind of professional now. Mm-hmm. And then you gain that confidence and you're like, okay, if I can have this job, I can probably any other job, you know? As long as I mm-hmm. work for it and like have the right attitude.
1: No, exactly. Well put so for you actually, what made you kinda wanna pursue this career path, pursue a career in the animation industry?
0: It kind of started like I'd gone through school just sort of like doodling and like the margins of my notebooks. Like just Mm-hmm. all sorts of things that I saw on TV and just doodling constantly in class. Mm-hmm. Kind of annoyed my teachers, too. <laughs> and I got, like, notes on it. And my <laughs> parents were like, why are you doing all the time? And I was like, I don't know, I just like drawing. So, and eventually I started taking art classes in high school. And that's when I sort of thought, like, maybe I could just do this as a job. And mm-hmm. I couldn't really see myself doing anything else. Because I don't think I was really that good at anything else. I didn't really have, like, a passion for anything else. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to pursue this. I'm going to see if I can get into the like animation because I like cartoons and I like drawing. So I was like, you know, maybe I can go to an art school. I'll try to apply to a bunch of places. And I got into SCAD and I was like, I guess, I mean, this is like the next step. I might as well just do this. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was just, I was drawing all the time. Like that's, that's all I did. I was like, if I do it so much, I might as well try to get money off of it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's sort of it. <laughs> just drawing all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i know this is like a thing more with like ethnic parents so you can correct me if i'm wrong but were your parents were they really supportive in you pursuing field of art for like kind of your career path or were they like they want you to become a mechanical engineer or a doctor or a lawyer Because i feel like just with ethnic parents whether mexican indian or like asian i think technically the first thing they want you to pursue is never usually art yeah. but some are super supportive and some are like <laughs> no you're not going to do art
0: right yeah no um absolutely. that's definitely what happened like i so my parents are always like, have always been really supportive of me. And like, they were like, you know, they're hesitant. They're like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you don't want to be a doctor instead? Or like, you can always reapply and go to like Georgia State or Georgia Tech. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> While I was in art school, they would be like, hey, you can always just reapply and go somewhere else. But they've always been supportive. <laughs> like, they were always helpful. And they were always like, like, they would, I would show them my drawings and be like, oh, this is amazing. And they would like tell their friends that I draw and stuff. They were mm-hmm. supportive, but I I know there was definitely some hesitancy at first when I first like wanted to go to art school. They were like, sure about this, you can always be a doctor. I still get actually my dad still tells me, like, you know, you can be you can still be a doctor if you want. <laughs> 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 Even though like I graduated and I have a job, he's still like, you know.
1: Yes, because I wanna I wanna go to eight more years of school. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, but what are you gonna do? But they've always been supportive. Like I think I'm definitely happy that they were a lot more supportive than I've heard other people that are just like, no, And um, at least they, you know, they, they consider it as a possibility. I'm grateful for that.
3: For sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder like if you're ever like a, like an animation director or something, they're like, your dad's like, you know, not too late to be a doctor. I 100% <laughs> believe he would say that. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I could be like the director of the next Pixar movie or something and he would be like, you know, it could be a doctor. No, <laughs> it's still a possibility. <laughs>
2: I love that. I love the idea of you holding like a bunch of accolades, like <laughs> awards for all of these films you've done. You're, you're like the next big name in animation. He's like, come home. You know, he's just like, you know, good. Never too late. You can always still be a doctor. That's
0: yeah. He would definitely do that. I can That's do that so
2: like a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Son, I wanted you to be a doctor, not Pete doctor. There's a difference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wrong doctor, wrong doctor.
1: <laughs> I kind of the to topic of like you possibly directing the future Pixar film. <laughs> One of the cool things that you actually did while you were in school was that you actually directed a short film called Mankey. And from what I know, it's actually based on a true story. Could you tell us the true story and how you adapted that to your film?
0: Yeah, so when I was a kid, And I was like really young. Me and my family, we went to India to uh, visit our relatives. And Mm -hmm. while we were there, we were going all around India and we ended up at this hotel, this kind of like somewhat seedy hotel. And I was with me, my brother, and my older cousin. We were running around. We had just gotten, we just bought these slingshots off of like this vendor. And we were running around like hitting things with rocks. And we came across this monkey like there's like this small monkey that was like tied up to a rope to a wall
1: oh no
0: (laughs) it was just there just chilling and i don't remember who did the first shot but someone shot like a little rock at the monkey and it got really angry and i was since i was the closest it ran up to me and it like grabbed on my leg and just bit me oh yeah so, no. I, uh, but it was, it was like really light. It was like a small monkey, right? Um, okay. So it like barely scratched the skin, like the surface. Oh, okay. Uh, but when I went to my parents, they like immediately freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, you just got bit by a wild monkey. So I had get rabies shots. Like I was uh-huh. like, while wow, you were there? <laughs> yeah, while I was there. Cause my uncle at, who was traveling with us, uh, he was like a doctor. He was like a pediatrician, uh-huh. a pediatric mm-hmm. surgeon. So he was able to get like rabies shots. And I had to get rabies shots on this vacation. Like, and the worst part was, there was only like two ways to get it. I think, like, that's what they told me. If I remember correctly, there was like two ways to get it. You could either like have like a pill or something, or they would have to get a shot into like the softest part of your body or something, which was my butt. So I was gonna say the butt. So I had to get rabies shots in my butt like twice a week. (laughs) because this tiny monkey bit me and it wasn't even my fault because I didn't even aggravate the monkey but I was closest to it so I was like that's kind of an interesting unique enough experience where I'll make like
1: a film about it I'm assuming you you left out the rabies shots in your butt from yeah I I, I saw monkey I saw monkey I don't remember that part I'm assuming you omitted that that that
0: was cut out for the children yeah (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I thought, like, that's a funny experience, and I thought I might as well, with animation, you can um, sort of enhance the feelings of, like, an experience. So it was, like, what if this monkey, like, as a kid, I thought, oh, my God, this monkey is terrifying. It was, like, this huge monster that was just biting, like, going after me, even though it was, like, in real reality, it was, like, a tiny little monkey. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, what if I made a film where I was being chased, and I would go into this, like, dream state where, like the feelings of the experience were a lot greater than the actual reality. Mm-hmm. So this little monkey mm-hmm. would turn into a giant monster and get chased me and then like, I'd be in like this hellish dimension and then you would cut back to what really happened and it was just like a tiny monkey like gnawing on my leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was really the idea. And I was like, I think mean, people liked it. So I was like, yeah, I'll make a film out of it.
1: No, I, li- I liked it. It's a yeah. really, really cute film. The animation is also a really, really amazing too. Funny story, or I guess fun fact is that Sophia, one of our previous guests on straight ahead actually did some cleanup and animation for manki, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. She did a lot of heavy lifting for the cleanup. I am very grateful for her because <laughs> cleanup is definitely the worst part of animation
2: for me. Do you really think so?
0: Oh, God. I just, it's just like, it's so tedious. Like I like just sort of sketching and like being as dirty as possible. And the cleanup, you have to like actually get into like the technical aspect and just like draw very clean and stuff mm. I'm like i can do it but it's just there's so many drawings and animation it's so much work <laughs> animation's hard mm.
2: yeah it's like oh i already drew it so i don't want to have to <laughs>
0: draw <it> anything <laughs> yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm very happy that she was able to get on and help me with that mm.
2: i think like going back to the the film too what i really like about Mikey is that like it is on like beat for beat kind of on a surface level just like a simple gag film right like you know, kid messes up, thinks things are way worse than it is, and then cut back to reality, right? But what I really like about it is that it just feels so specific. Like it starts off with the water running off of a juice box and you know, we we know we're not like in America, like mm-hmm. in India and like just very specific things, kid playing with the slingshot, um, the monkey appearing, and then like just the environment and how it feels. It all feels very like warm, very hot, like hot summer day. I love all that. It's very specific, mm-hmm. like you said. TV nice yeah.
0: yeah that is absolutely what i was going for so i'm really mm-hmm. glad you, you did that you picked up on that yeah
3: <laughs> it's great. i think
0: like i mean i so whenever i try to tell a story like i always want to keep it because i don't really know i'm not smart enough to make up a story so i always just sort of go with something that's personal something that i mm-hmm. know that i can like that i've experienced before i always try to keep it like personal to me so then i can i know what i'm talking about at least <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i'm glad that was able to i was able to convey that
2: Yeah, it totally came through.
1: And then the little boy, he's, like, basically wearing what you wore during that trip, right? Yeah. I was, like, looking on your, like, website and stuff, and I saw some, like, the concept design and stuff, and I just see a younger picture of you with the hat and that kind of, like, black and gray patterned shirt. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because, like, even that shirt was so specific. I was like, oh, that's a unique shirt choice. Like, I've never seen something like that. And I see the the picture of you. It's like, oh, that's how they got
0: it. Yeah. I mean, I th- I always believe, like, since it's so unique, it's going to be, I mean, it's because it's so personal, it's going to be unique. Because, like, not everyone has had that same shirt, right? Mm-hmm. It was a story about me. I thought I might as well just look at a picture of me and just draw that. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was really great. I, yeah, I was. it's such a fun watch. If you guys haven't seen it, you guys definitely should. It's on, is it? Is it up on Vimeo still? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. all on Vimeo.
2: Nice. Look it up right now, guys. Let's pause the episode. <laughs> watch it right now. M-A-N-K-I, Mikey, on Vimeo. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> So to
1: kind of keep going on that topic of like things you did while you were at SCAD. So while you were actually a student, you actually got to work on a bumper for Adult Swim. And for those that don't know, a bumper, it's being a short clip that it's kind of related to the network that kind of takes place between a show and the commercials. So usually there's a bumper that kind of outros and enters the commercial. And there's a bumper that kind of after the commercials, the commercials over, the bumper shows up to kind of like segue back into the show or back into like the network space but you actually got to do a bumper for Adult Swim. Can you talk to us about that experience and how that opportunity came about?
0: Yeah, so when I was at SCAD, I think I was in my junior year, SCAD was doing this thing called CLC, which was like, I think it was a sound for like collaborative learning something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was really cool because Adult Swim sort of approached SCAD and was like, hey, know, we, we can give you our IP, and you can have students use that existing IP to make a bumper related to it, and it would play on TV, mm. which was really cool. So they like uh, what's his name? I think his name is like Jason DiMartino. I think he's like mm-hmm. the head of Adult Swim. Yeah, he would come by and he would like give us little uh, presentations on like the IP and like what we could do with it. And it was basically just like take a take a show and make a bumper using these characters and these ideas, and that's it. And it was really cool. It was, like, awesome, because we could, like, take this existing IP and sort of just do anything and make it, like, a short-form little bumper to play on TV. So it was sort of a group thing. So, like, everybody would pitch an idea of theirs based on the shows, and the class would decide which pitches we liked the most. So the one that I worked on was a pitch by a classmate, T., TiVo, and she had this idea of using the show Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. And the idea was like this office guy, he just, he's like in the office, and he dies, and then he goes to hell, and it turns out hell is just like another office. So he just goes back to work.
3: <laughs> and Damn. That's it.
0: So, um, and that was a really funny idea, so we decided to work on that. And I was like, I really liked it. So I did some character designs for it, and I helped with a little bit of the animation, and the, we got it done within like I think within like three months and we would mm-hmm. and it was cool because we would get we would be able to go to the adult swim offices and like they gave us a tour and we would present our ideas and our uh, work in progresses to uh jason
3: mm-hmm. and
0: he would see it and uh it was really cool it was like a really interesting it was like my first like professional experience so i really enjoyed it because it was like actual like experience like on the job kind of
1: stuff Mm -hmm. all right so but follow-up question though were you paid or was this or was this like uh oh this is structured as a class and the class assignment for the three months is you making this bumper yeah that is a
0: very good question no it was all just like it was basically like an anti-job we paid to take the class and then we were able to get to work so it was free work for uh you know exposure
2: yeah they had a similar thing at our school. One, I didn't do the class, but it was like you like took a class that was called it was called like uh, extra design curricular or whatever. They basically used that class to like do whatever special project you wanted that semester. And then Adobe had come to our school and they did like uh, some animations for I think an elevator in the Adobe building. <laughs> Or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But I don't think those students were paid. I think they did pay for that class and then did the work in the class. Yeah. So yeah. that happens sometimes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess it is good experience. It,
0: yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, like, <laughs> it was free work for sure. And then, I like, fun to work on for sure. But I think mm-hmm. that thing, that happens a lot. Like, I think la- the year after ours, they, co- they stopped the Adult Swim thing. And they had, like, another company, like, Home Depot or something ask students to like, make work for them for like a branding project, which is not as fun. Sorry, Home Depot.
1: Yeah, yeah who wants to make something for Home Depot? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, if, if I had a choice, I would still do it again because it was definitely mm. like, if I'm paying for a class, at least it was a class that gave me some kind of experience and connections. Yeah. But it was definitely free
3: work, for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so on the, on the topic of like, you know, SCAD and you attending Savannah College of Art Design, did you think it prepared you for life outside of college? I know they started teaching puppet animation after you left, <laughs> but overall, did you feel prepared?
0: It was—it's very different. Like school is not the same as like getting a job and working. Because school. Okay. Or, like for me, at least, it's that it was a lot of like more of like self-propelled. Like I would I would work a lot harder on an assignment than than really needed to be because I wanted to make good work that I could use for my portfolio. So mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot more self-taught and more like well. That's off top of more self like encouraged. Like I would, I did it because I wanted to make good work. Mm-hmm. It was less like it's just a job. Yeah, like school is more just like working on things that I liked and like I I enjoyed. And work is more like you're working for somebody else and you're creating work for them. And it is more, but it's a lot more scheduled. Like like school, you sort of like you have an assignment and you spend as many hours as you want on it. So you can definitely do late nights, which isn't great. But you do it because you're encouraged. You want to do it because you like the work that you're doing.
3: Mm-hmm. A work mm-hmm. you can
0: just sort of like work for a certain amount of time and then stop, and then go do something else, and you're fine because you know you did like your job, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of helped in a way that it sort of like in school. I tried to make a, a, I tried to instill a work ethic in myself and create a schedule so I could like follow it. I don't know. I think school is just a lot more of like free form rather than work, where it's a lot more. And the work itself is also a lot simpler. It's not just all you making as good of a project as you can. You have, mm-hmm. You're part of a process, so it's like less, less responsibility and you're sort of just doing the work and you get paid for it, which is nice. <laughs> it's cool you don't get paid.
2: Yeah, getting paid <laughs> is the best part. <laughs> Incredible. Mm-hmm. <Yeah>. Yes.
1: <laughs> Something we've heard is that you actually want to be a character designer. Is that still a goal for you? Or how did you come about to be an animator instead?
0: Yeah, so I, I still do want to be like a designer. I like to go into the animation, I mean, the design side of animation, where I could like do character designs or prop design and stuff. Because mm. I prefer drawing over animating. I was never, I feel like I was never really that good of an animator. But in Atlanta, there's not a ton of uh, pre production stuff. Here, mm. it's a lot more just like animation and production. Like, I know Floyd County does everything in house. So they have, like, storyboards and fair design and stuff. But for mm-hmm. us, we sort of get our pre-production stuff from L.A. And then we just mm-hmm. do animation here. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a ton of design jobs at first. And I, I, I as soon as I graduated, I was, like, desperate for, like, a job. I just needed a job because, like, I needed to get paid. And I needed to get, like, experience as soon as possible. So, and this was the first one that, like, sort of uh, I applied to that I got in. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And if they like my work, I can just work there for a little bit and I can yeah, keep working on my portfolio for design. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how I got an animation right now.
1: I've actually seen some of your design stuff too. Like, your designs are pretty amazing. <laughs> <Like> you, <laughs> got some, you have some amazing work, so that's yeah, actually really pretty like cool.
3: Them. Oh thank you. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, do you think you would ever uh, move to, like, LA or, or even New York, I think, has some work in, like, design and stuff?
0: I feel like it's definitely, like, an inevitability. Like, I, mm. like I'd always had the idea, like, I'm gonna move so I've been in Georgia my whole life. Like I was, I'm from Lawrenceville, Georgia, which is like a suburb, like half an hour away from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so I went to school in Atlanta, and I was there, and I never really left. So I'd like to get out and like see what else what other places I have to offer.
1: Mm-hmm was part of the reasons why you kind of stayed within Georgia? Because I know even when you graduated, you were looking jobs mainly in Georgia. Is it just to be kind of closer to family? Or is it just kind of, when you want to start out, you want to start off in a place you're already comfortable. And then once you're kind of more established or, you know, gotten your feet wet, that's when you can branch out to like Yuki said, New York or LA.
0: Yeah, that was definitely the idea. Like just to sort of get established for a little bit, get some experience and then move out and make that move. So yeah, that was sort of like, I wanted to like at least have some kind of experience of working before leaving. But I think I'm Mm -hmm. at the point where I'm ready to just leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I guess to kind of shift gears a bit, because one of the things that we like doing on this podcast is that we kind of like diving into people's cultural backgrounds seeing how they identify and how like, you know, if it influences them or not. But for you, does your cultural background kind of play a role in your identity as an artist?
0: I like to think so. Uh, Like my film was all just about like a straight up experience of me in India. Mm -hmm. So I I want to include as much of my cultural identity as possible. You know, as like a Indian American, you're sort of like living on two sides where you're like you're American, but you're also Indian, and you have those two cultures that sort of sometimes clash, sometimes they get unified. And I'm starting to appreciate my culture a lot more as I grow older because I realize like, you know, it gave me a unique set of experiences Mm. that I can like that have helped shape my values and who I am as a person. So I'm learning to like understand it more for sure. So I always want to keep my work as personal as possible. So, in a way, that does get reflected, because that's just who I am. I like to think so. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try to connect it more, though, I think, for
2: sure. What do you mean, like, your American side and your Indian side kind of being at odds? Is there anything that you feel like especially is contradicting?
0: So, as a kid, right, you go to the school, and you go to class, and then, like, a teacher mispronounces your name. Like, they don't get it right on the first try. And you're like, sorry, it's actually this way, right? That's, like, mm-hmm. a thing I think a lot of people have had, where they like, get their names are pronounced or like sometimes I brought, brought in like Indian food to the lunchroom and people would be like, oh, what is that? And then you sort of get discouraged to bring it. So that's sort of how they've been at odds sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I've learned to get over it. I, I love my culture. I think it's like awesome. The food is great. I'm like, I'm happy that my name is so unique. You know, people remember it at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just a little like tiny things that I don't think other people who've been here longer have had to experience. Mm-hmm even as a kid you're like oh my god america is awesome you know like the 90s culture and skateboards and x games and stuff my parents (laughs) didn't understand it like pokemon they didn't get that i don't know it's like it's just something that you just realize happens and you sort of that's just your experience Mm
3: -hmm. i guess
0: for sure i actually like i see it in media i see it a lot now like i think a lot of first generation people are like making media that's actually like relatable now because they're older enough and they're like reading experiences that are reflective which i love to see because i'm like oh my gosh i'm not alone in this like there's other people that like i'll deal with this kind of stuff
1: no exactly i think we are going to start seeing more more of that in the next coming years especially again like the three of us we're all well especially myself i'm a first generation mexican-american uh yuki you're not first generation right
2: i'm like fourth generation i'm like pretty americanized
1: (laughs) 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 but you also come from a very mixed background as well being like half chinese and half japanese yeah but yeah, more people, more first generations are, you know, graduating college, are entering the industry or starting in the industry like ourselves, uh, Manin. So eventually we'll get to a position ourselves to start telling more of our generational stories from kind of coming from that life of like, oh, am I not Mexican enough? I'm not American enough. Am I not yeah, Indian enough? Exactly. Am I more American? Blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Before we ask our final question. Where can our audience find you? And is there anything you want to plug at this time?
0: Yeah, on Instagram, I'm Manin underscore M, M M-A-N-E-E-N underscore M. And on Twitter, the same. I like, I just post art on there sometimes.
3: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That's pretty much it. I don't really have much else to plug.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No new secret. Uh, films part two of Mankey where you get the punch. <laughs> it's
0: just an, it's an hour long picture of a needle going into a
3: butt.
1: <laughs> no, Just like the longest shot ever, like the doctor walking down the hallway with the needle, walking to the office and just keeps walking and walking and walking, goes past the face, goes past the arm, all the way down to the butt. And then, it's very ominous. And then the needle's slowly getting closer to the cheek
0: I think that's it I think you just that's made it, it. that's to too. there we go
1: all right man well so as we come to a close what advice would you give to those that want to pursue a career in the animation industry
0: try to make work that you like and make work that you think other people like as well
1: see that's great awesome. that's short and sweet yeah
2: I love that
0: I don't really have much experience, so I don't know what else to tell people.
2: <laughs> no, it's good. No, I think that's that's a really good thing to, to keep in mind. Especially, like, I don't know, people try to make, like, oh, I gotta make my magnum opus right now when I'm, like, 19 years old or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you, life is long. Just, yeah. more, just do stuff you enjoy. <laughs>
1: Or they're, they're so worried about like trying to get likes on Instagram or like, oh, I need to make work that other people are going to like, like what are people going to like more? And it's like, it's sometimes just more fun and more people tend to gravitate. If you make stuff that's more true to you and stuff that you enjoy, because if you enjoy other people do too, you don't always have to try to make something to impress other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed our interview with Manine, please rate us and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straight ahead AP. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at StraightAheadPodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Thanks to our editor for this episode, Ashley Itlion. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier.
1: Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day.
2: Bye.
0: Bye.
3: See ya.